Our text today is not from Romans, though I thought about that to talk about Wesley and Luther, but um, I decided instead to use Ephesians. But it is the great proclamation of the gospel in Ephesians 2. So would you please stand for the proclamation of it? But you were dead in your trespasses and sins. (laughs) That's right. Whoa. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, when you were dead in your sins, in your trespasses, He made alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Notice how Paul keeps interrupting. He raised us together with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. By grace you have been saved. In Christ Jesus, to show the surpassing riches in the ages to come, the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, in order that he might show that surpassing riches in ages to come. Because by grace you have been saved, and this is not of yourselves, by grace you have been saved through faith, It is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one should boast. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I read an article in Time magazine last week that said Halloween is stupid. I hate Halloween. Now, if I'd be on the Internet, I would write her a column and tell her that it's not Halloween that it's All Saints' Even, which is when Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses, and that she should rejoice in the Reformation because we rediscovered grace. But I'm not on the Internet because I'm visually impaired, so I figured if I sent her a letter, she wouldn't read it. One thing I need to say before I begin I will talk about Ephesians as if Paul wrote it, not because I necessarily thought he did. I happen to think he did. But because canonically, we think of Paul having written Ephesians because it makes sense. Just like we think of Psalm 23 coming from David, because he was a shepherd and he really understood it. And so when he talks about being a shepherd, it makes sense, right? 
so this is canonical in the sense of Reverend Childs. I've already muffed two things this morning, which I have hidden, so I hope you don't know the mistakes I've made. You can just blame them on my low blood pressure. But I'm sorry that I muffed things, because this text is extremely important to me. And even as I memorized it, I kept thinking, Paul constantly interrupts himself. Isn't he fun? He interrupts himself because he's so excited about grace, he just has got to break in. He says, God loved us, even when we were dead. Now, I don't know if you know what it's like feeling dead, but I've come close to it three times in my life, and it does not feel good. The last time I came close was when they sawed off my leg. That just gave me the creeps. They said, we're going to amputate, and you won't feel a thing. Well, that's true, I didn't. I thought I was dead. And when they sawed off my leg, after it was off, I keep feeling phantom pain, as if it were really there. And one time I tried to get up from bed and walk. And later Myron picked me up from the floor. And he said, that's no fun, let's do that. Let's don't do that anymore. Thank God for Myron. But that's why I love this text. And I love to call it the canonical Paul, like Reverend Child's canonical idea, because... It makes so much sense that Paul would write it because he went through an experience like that. Excuse me. I got the hiccups. That always happens when I eat breakfast being excited. It doesn't go down right, so it keeps hiccuping off. You don't mind, do you? Just the scary look of you makes me forget him. <laughs> All right, back to the canonical Paul. Martin Luther says that he was lost in his emphasis on tishraden. That means mealtime talk. Um, some people call it table talk. That's really what it means. And when he was giving those experiences, he said that I felt so dead in my sins. So I love that reading from him. We're going to get the same from Wesley after this message. And getting the same from Wesley and his experience at uh, the Moravian Bible study when they were reading Luther all of a sudden, he felt his heart strangely warm. You've heard that before. Both of those experiences, I want to recall those today, to remember that we are lost in our trespasses and sins. That's why I began with the first verse of chapter 2 in Ephesians. 
rather than just starting with verse 4. Because I needed to say, you're dead, before we found out we were made alive in Christ. And then it makes so much good sense. And I love verse 4. When it makes good sense, it says, God being rich in mercy. That word rich has lost its meaning these days. There's so many billionaires in our country. I know you're not one of them. <laughs> I know what it's like to be an MDiv student. I know what it's like to be in seminary and be working at the same time. And I also commuted 100 miles to class. Don't worry, I didn't go every day. I only went once a week. And when I went that one week, I kept thinking about how great God's blessings were because I would always memorize Greek vocabulary on the way down. And it was only by God's grace I never had an accident. <laughs> and I'd go home late at night and thank God for those bumps in the road that kept me awake. But that verse 4, rich in mercy, just sounds too wimpy. Maybe we should say luxurious in mercy, or exorbitant, or ludicrous, or what kind of word can we put there? Exorbitant. Oh, I said that already. With his great love with which he loved us, the only way I compare that is to imagine Myron when I was being kind of cranky earlier this week and I uh, snapped back about something that he asked. I was being cranky and he responded by saying, I love you, you know. Uh, talk about melting chocolate. <laughs> so I decided to wear a pink dress today I know it would suit the weather three days ago. <laughs> but I chose the hottest pink dress I could because pink is the liturgical color for joy. I know you're not liturgical. <laughs> but you can pretend. So I asked several people for their story of grace, maybe that I could get enough good stories. And after I'd asked many people back home, I got an even better one yesterday when Gideon was driving the car back to Wesley Seminary. I'm sure you know Gideon from Nigeria. And he told me that he didn't know where he was going when he wound up coming to Asbury and then he got lost, and he asked for direction, and he said, since we've been here, there's been several signs that God meant for him and his family and Esther and their three daughters to be here. So I heard about grace from Gideon. And yesterday in the airport, I heard from grace from the wheelchair pusher, whose name was James. And James said, Oh, God bless you, sister. He's praying for me today. And I heard about grace from James. 
And then his replacement, Roberta, when he had to go home, and Roberta drove me down, drove me in a wheelchair, that is. She pushed against the incline. And I was so glad to be pushed in a wheelchair instead of walking because it was so steep. God, out of God's great love, kept me from falling over. You don't know what that's like, do you? Imagine yourself balanced on a tilted pole. Well, try it. Anyway, it's grace. Because of God's grace with which he loved me. His great love. And both Martin Luther and John Wesley, as we will hear after my message, which reminds me I better watch the time. Because of God's great mercy and love, which we usually take for granted. Well, let's go on with Ephesians. He made us through alive together with Christ, as the text goes on. And he raised us up with Christ. What a wonderful picture that is of resurrection into the new creation. And once again, Paul is so excited about it, he has to interrupt himself. And he interrupts by saying, by grace you were saved. I'm just too sorry that I didn't have enough blood pressure to show you that that was an interruption. I was going to jump all over the stage, but I won't. <laughs> well, Paul interrupts himself to remind us of how fully God loves us. As the text goes on, he says he seated us in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Once I went into a Christian bookstore, well, not just once, I go into them all the time, but one time when I went into one, a card attracted me. And on the front of the card, it said, keep looking down. That was very strange. Usually we say, keep looking up. So I had to open the card and see what it said inside. In front, it said, keep looking down. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So you can keep looking down all the time. I wish now I had bought that card. No, don't make me a plaque for it. My house is too full. But keep looking down. You are seated. Can you think what a difference that would make in your attitude toward life? if you kept looking down because you were seated in, with Christ in the heavenly places and knew the advantage of being with Jesus Christ? I get all upset about the Ebola epidemic and wish I were a doctor so I could go over there. I'm, I am a doctor. I have my PhD. But I wish I were a medical doctor so that I could do something about the epidemic but I'm sure I would have caught it by now. But I wish there was something I could do. Well, there is prayer. So I'm glad, and in spirit, I will be with you in chapel tomorrow, though not in physical body. I'll be in the airport. But I will be joining you tomorrow in your prayer service for Ebola. That is so wonderful. 
that we can actually do something about it. Because they have said in Guinea and Sierra Leone and, yeah, whatever the other country is, Liberia, that it's an impossible epidemic and that it might be the world's plague if it gets out of hand anymore. But we, by God's grace, so far are protected. And we here in the United States can do as much as possible to pray. Well, and then as the text goes on, there's something that we Wesleyans and Lutherans might disagree. To prepare for coming here this week, <clears throat> I read John Wesley's Plain Account of Christian Perfection. You all know that book? Yes? Well, I can't quite agree, and I need you to convince me, because I don't think that we can get rid of our sin nature till after we die. And Wesley seems to think otherwise. But even though we disagree about when the ages to come will happen, we all agree on the surpassing riches of God's grace, yes? The inexhaustible riches? The phantasmagorical riches? The stupendous riches? The uh, infinite riches? The inexhaustible riches? The incalculable riches? I had to look up in a thesaurus for every word I could find as a synonym for unsurpassable or non-surpassing or surpassing everything or inexhaustible or what are some other words? Immeasurable, unlimited, incalculable. You get the idea. The riches by which God anoints us and shows how much love and grace and mercy there really are for us. I can't use words big enough, and it's all right because I don't have any more time anyway. But both Wesley and Luther had to come to the end of their rope, right? Now, what I want to ask you today have you come to the end of your rope? I had an experience when I was teaching in grad school, and I was teaching literature of the Bible, and I was exhausted. And I went to a Christian convention, and a brand new believer talked about Jesus with so much love that I fell in love all over again. That's before I met Myron. And I fell in love with Jesus all over again and had sort of like Luther's Tower experience or John Wesley's Aufgabe experience. It's so wonderful that we both have in our heritage that experience of transformation when God takes over and puts it in our lives. You see, I haven't got enough blood pressure to talk to you today. 
Without God's grace sustaining me at this lectern, I would fall over. But by God's grace, I'm still standing. Hallelujah. But I want you to see it. And it drives me nuts I can't jump up and down. Because I want you to get the flavor of this grace and pause before the wonders of God in love and say, oh God, thank you. So I challenge you today, if you've not had that encounter, a time of real wrestling with God, so that you could learn about by grace you have been saved, and really recognize that it is a gift. Both Wesley and Luther learned it was a gift and gave up trying to reach it by being, as we heard in Luther, an impeccable monk. No, I know none of you are impeccable monks. But what have you got to give God? You've got this great love of Jesus Christ, the immeasurable riches of his grace. And to know the fullness of that love is to realize that God has made you different. Now, I can talk about it here at seminary because you have a dilemma. Do you recognize the dilemma, a constant tension in your life between getting good grades and slouching off? By grace, you can slouch off. By works, you need to get good grades so that you can go on. But if you're aiming to be a pastor, you better do your study. But how can you know? Do you see that tension of not wanting to work at it to be under the law? It's the great distinction that Martin Luther made between law and gospel. Do you do something because you have to or because you want to as you work at seminary? When I gave grades to students when I taught the Bible, I was teaching English. It was an English course, and I did my first master's in English. I did three masters after that, but the first one was in English. And it, I ran into this awful dilemma that I didn't want to grade my students' faith. You know, if they got a D on their English paper, they might take it personally. So I didn't know what to do. I had to give them a serious English grade. I was responsible to the administration. But what if they thought that was my grade on their faith? So I solved the dilemma by giving them two grades. I always gave everybody an A on their faith and D on their English. <laughs> Well, that's the dilemma between law and gospel. Under law, you don't deserve anything. So I give you an A on your faith because you're under grace in God's rule. 
but in your English grade, you, get, you deserve a D, if not an F. Yes? You see the dilemma? And it's a dilemma that all your seminary professors have. They don't want to grade your faith. But your faith is by grace. Your uh, scholarly work, well, that depends on you. No. I'm trying to help you think about what it means to work under grace. Can you, for freedom, Christ has set us free, can you do your work out of freedom? That's the difference between working under law or gospel. And I love the way Martin Luther gives those two criteria to judge every scripture lesson. Ever since Luther had his tower experience, as you heard in the reading, and the justice of God was no longer God's wrath and anger and justice against his sin, for which he deserved an F. He was under grace, so he got an A+. Yes? You see it? Have you had that choice? That's why I chose this Ephesians text. And I'm so sorry that I haven't got the blood pressure to tell you what I mean to say. But by grace you have been saved. And it's not of works, so that no one should boast. Now, I'm sorry about the exclusivity of workmanship in the last verse. As we get to that verse now, we are his workmanship. Sorry about that. But I wanted something that showed the craftiness of the craftsperson, the love with which a potter deals with clay. Have you ever watched that? Our banker makes clay bowls, and after he fires them, the most beautiful red glass and purple glass, and you hold it up to the light, and it looks red, and you put it in the dark, and it looks purple, and you put it halfway in between, and it looks reddish-purple, and it's gorgeous. We are the potter. No, God is the potter. We are the clay. We are God's workmanship. And have you ever thought about how it's God's gracious love has planned for you just the right job in life? I never knew it till I graduated from my PhD and turned down faculty positions because I thought God wanted me to freelance. And God did that for 30 years. I think this might mean the end of it, this blood pressure. But God still wants to spread his grace, and he'll use me however how, however how he wants to. However God wants to use you will be the perfect fit. And I just can't wait to see what it is, can you? Let's close with prayer. God, please forgive me that I couldn't say what I wanted to. 
forgive me that my blood pressure's off and help your message to have gotten through anyway. The message of your tremendous love and grace, your constant and rich mercy for us. And help us to know that in our sin, your grace makes us perfect. In Jesus' name, amen.